Today's episode of Out of Office Bros, we're discussing a Broncos versus Dolphins game, the CU Buffs versus Oregon Ducks game, and then other Buffs sports. This is Out of Office Bros. Give me my theme music. Hello, 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 Ooblers. On this fine Saturday morning, it is your boy D-Train along with my co-host, Mr. Scotty L. How are we doing today, pal? Oh, it is game day, baby. Can't be better on a game day. Nothing better than a game day, man. You wake up, you're already excited. Our buffs are 3-0 and heading to this top 25 matchup against uh, against Oregon. But we'll dive into that in just a little bit here. I uh, wanted to start uh, today's podcast talking about the Broncos versus Dolphins. Um, we we waylaid into the Broncos uh, about about their game last Sunday on our last episode. Uh, I, I listened back to it and I was just like, man, we were pretty brutal on these dudes. But for good reason. I mean, you lose two games where you're favored and at home. Uh, it's uh, for Sean Payton. It's a very rough start to this era that we're in. I'm just calling it the Payton era um, or the Sean Payton era. Um, and then so and then we're heading on the road now to go and play a two and no Miami Dolphins team who a lot of people were picking to at least make it into the divisional round of the playoffs in the AFC this year. Yeah, this one is, a, uh, you know, we when we did our Bronco preview way, way, way back at this point. This was one that we had chalked up to a loss right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, and I, I, my opinion certainly has not changed in the, the first two weeks of the I season. I mean, I'll be honest. I thought we'd be 2-1 and one after three weeks, not 0-3. Oh <laughs> yeah, I, I was sitting here like, okay, we're going to be 2-1. and one. We're going to be, you know, in the divisional picture at least this early in the season. And now I'm sitting here like, can we keep it within two touchdowns against the Miami Dolphins? Because... Two attack of Iloa came out. He looks great this year. Uh, Tyreek is going off. Um, one thing that could help the Broncos, because we know how weak our corner two spot is, is that Jalen Waddle is questionable still with a concussion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's gotten through protocol for my fantasy team. I really hope he has. But that could help the Broncos. Either way, I just don't see this. I, I don't see this going well for us this week. Speaking it, of fantasy, you and I are playing each other this week, aren't we? Yep, Battle of the Bottom, baby. The Toilet Bowl, <laughs> week three. Let's go. Um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that this one does have the um, the mixings of maybe spiraling out of control for the Broncos. Um, yep. And, you know, I just think that the offensive firepower that they have, even even if Waddle is out, I just feel like that they're, that it could be overwhelming on this Broncos defense, especially when two pretty subpar offenses uh, were a, were, I mean, it would definitely the red, the, the Redskins, definitely the commanders, <laughs> um, you know, putting up 35 points on us. I mean, that's, that's never a way to go when you're, when you're comparing those two offenses. I mean, everybody, you know, 10 out of 10 would take the Dolphins offense over the commanders. Oh, 100%. The Commanders, we, we talked about it, right? They have a great receiving core. They they are really, really good on the receiver side. But the Dolphins are just deeper through and through. And at the most important position on the football field, I would take Tua Tagovailoa 10 times over before I would take Sam Howell. Yeah. So it, it's – Tua is the best quarterback we face. Jimmy G is a stable quarterback. He's good. He's not great. Then you go in and you play Sam Howell, who's – Sam Howell is Sam Howell. He's not going to be the starter there next year, I don't think. I think they're probably going to take a quarterback at some point this draft. 
If not, mm-hmm. they'll take him next draft. It, and then you go to Tua, who is a stud when he's healthy. So mm-hmm. it, it's not going to be the best. I, I'm curious to see how our offense goes against their defense. Their defense is is good. It's not great. I wouldn't call it a top 10 defense in the NFL by any chance. So we have the opportunity to put points on the board. I think yeah, there's a potential for the over. I mean, that's the one good part about last week is – Russ started getting back to Russ and what we were expecting. It's just our defense didn't do anything to support it. Right. So, yeah. I, I, I don't, what is the over under on this game? Do you happen to have what? that pulled up last? I, had I can grab at, that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I expect this one to be pretty high scoring just because I do think that our offense may be able to keep pace with the dolphins offense uh, because, because their defense is exploitable. Um you know, yeah, I, their secondary isn't great. They're, we can get over the top on them in a couple different scenarios here, which I, I like Marvin Mims in this game quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Just continuing with your breakout pick of the year. Uh, the over is currently set at 48 points. I think that's... Oh, that's, think that's definitely going to hit. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. that might get hit in the first half. I'm not going to lie to you. It could. I, I could easily see this being, you know, Dolphins 42, Broncos... 30 38 i was even thinking maybe like just something crazy uh i mean the spread is the spread is seven so broncos plus seven right now we're only a touchdown dog i i think that miami will cover that just based on what i've seen the first two weeks i i would love to be wearing my orange colored uh sunglasses and be looking at it through a broncos fans lens right now but i i'm coming back to earth very quickly in on what this team is and <laughs> You know, it's it's at the moment now, and I think it's been there for me for the past couple of years of they've got to show up and do it before I can put my faith in them again. It's kind of like the buffs, right? Like this year, I was cautiously optimistic going in. We both were. We wanted to see how TCU played out, and our whole thing going to TCU was just cover, which yeah. we knew they were going to. We were calling that for weeks. They co- Not only did they cover, they came out and won on the road as a 20-point dog. I want to see the Broncos do something like that where they're proving to me that my belief is warranted and my my positive vibes are not going just as a fan versus yeah. someone who's an educated football watcher. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think that, um, you know, if we do go 0-3, that there, that there begin to be talks about, about some major trades before the trade deadline, getting some players to teams that may be needy at the wide receiver position or um, – are looking at looking to make offers where we might be able to rebuild some of our draft stock do you think that we kind of tear it down that, that's a really good question i think at the end of this year no matter what unless we completely turn it around and we we, we somehow sneak into a wild card spot i, I think we got to tear it down no matter what i think oh and three you can start having that conversation without a doubt and start putting feelers out yeah you know i i think the interesting part about football versus like hockey and basketball is you don't see a lot of in-season trades or going into the playoff deadline acquisitions like you do in those two sports. Right. So I don't know how much capital we'd be able to get in the immediate. I think I think once you see the Super Bowl and everything kind of wrap up, we're going to see a ton of moves being made for, by this front office. And I think it needs to happen at this point. You know, we, we tried it. We tried running back the the plan of getting a hall of fame quarterback, someone who was elite and lifting the entire team that way 
clearly it, it didn't work out this time. And that happens. You've seen it all across the league before, whether that was Peyton Manning where it worked here or it was Philip Rivers going to Indianapolis and being Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. So it, it happens and we took a chance. I appreciate us taking that chance and, you know, laying our balls on the table. It just didn't work out. And at this point, I think, you know, we start maybe pivoting towards get those draft capital back, get some draft capital, get some good players, get some good position, get, get some good skill players. Cause right now, Cortland Sutton, I think we can agree He's probably a WR2 in this league, maybe low-end WR1, but he hasn't really proved it, but we're paying him as such. Mm-hmm. I, I think we got to go on ahead, cut bait with that, and see if we can get some draft capital, but I don't know any team that's going to be willing to take on that contract with his production. Right. It, it may end up being one of those teams where we pay half the salary if they're mm-hmm. if they're willing to like take it on, you know what I mean? Um, at, at least for, the, for just for like the, um, like the uh, cap hit sort of thing yeah um yeah uh something interesting about this uh or like what i was going to say about that is like with this football team is that i really do think that we may see like a 20 player turnaround between the 2023 season and the 2024 season like the, like when a new whenever a new coach comes in and wants things done his way, which I feel like Sean Payton is definitely one of those types of coaches, there's an immediate turnaround of players. And it usually doesn't happen the first year because there's not enough time. Um, So I really do think that next year it's going to be absolutely insane that we're going to have to completely relearn a roster um, compared to, you know, going in from last year into this year where there were a ton of changes. Um, Yeah. I hope Sean Payton brings in his, uh, his own Louis this offseason yeah. and yeah. let's it ride <laughs> to quote, uh, to quote Deion Sanders for sure. Um, <laughs> something interesting about this, uh, the Broncos dolphins is, is that Mike McDaniel got his start in this league as a Denver Broncos assistant way back in the day. There were, uh, there were photos. I think he was like, just like a ball boy. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> working under Gary Kubiak on like the offensive side of the ball. Cause there's, um, there's a, uh, a picture of him, you know, as like a you know teenager because he's a Colorado native, um, you know, just on the sidelines in the Broncos games. And this dude is hilarious, Mike McDaniel. Have you have you seen the um, when they were playing the Chargers? What happened at, during the game in SoFi? No, I didn't. I, I'm a big Mike McDaniel's guy, though. I love him. I think he's yeah. a fucking riot. So yeah, I think I think so too. And he, and he's also like he's closer to our age, so he's kind of like one of our contemporaries, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I feel like uh so I get some of his humor. But so the story is is that when he was at SoFi, he there was a challenge being called and uh it was it, he saw himself up on the jumbotron and they were showing him and then they were showing um uh Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach. And it kept going back and forth between the two of them. And Mike McDaniels notices that he's up on the Jumbotron and into his microphone goes, run the ball the next five plays. (laughs) (laughs) Just completely trying to troll the entire stadium. It's like, who has that awareness to be like, oh, hey, there I am. Run the ball the next five plays. (laughs) This guy, I, I have loved him for a long time. I thought he was hilarious when he was in San Francisco, like his little glasses shit that he would do. Yeah. And honestly, I, I think he was a great hire for the Miami Dolphins. And I think he, they're going to win a lot of ball games with him, especially yeah. 
his offense, it's, I wouldn't call it innovative, but it's creative. Yeah. And he knows how to use the weapons and get them in the right places at the right times. And he's going to be a damn good coach. And I, I see them being their being the AFC's champions this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've so far had a ton of success, and they would have had more had Tua not gotten into the concussion protocol four times last year. You know, yeah. they didn't really – I mean, like, have you ever seen the videos of when they went – like, like because Tua's left-handed. And so whenever he's throwing it, it just looks strange to us because everybody's used to seeing a right-handed quarterback. But if have you ever seen the reverse image where it – what it would look like if Tua's throwing it with his right hand? He is yeah. absolutely slinging the ball. It just Dude's looks – it just looks weird to us because he's left-handed. Um, well, lefty, the, lefties in general are weird. <laughs> like, dude, I, I can't golf with a left-handed golfer. They're, everything just looks backward. It, it fucks me up. It's it's a weird thing. I, I don't mm-hmm. like lefties. <laughs> and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with lefties. I'm just saying that, like, it's, it just looks different to us because I'm pretty positive right now he's one of 32 starting NFL quarterbacks that's left-handed. So year in and year out, it's really interesting to watch. I mean, Michael Vick was the same sort of way. Um trying to th- trying to think of some other ones uh yeah it just looks, it, it just it just looks different when they're throwing the football but he absolutely is slinging it when you look at those when you look at those mirror images um yeah there's not another left-handed starting quarterback that i can think of off the top of my head uh-uh not in not in the league right now um but I, so you would, you would kind of said that, so you were thinking like a 45 to 30 or you said 42 to 30 sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I think, I think this over hits comfortably um, depending on which version of the Broncos defense shows up, obviously mm-hmm. is the bigger and the offense. Cause we just don't know, but I, I think the dolphins just have a ton of weapons. I think they're going to put points on the board against us. I think, our offense should be able to muster something up this week. Um, I really, I really believe that because, like I said, the Dolphins' defense is not great. Um, the Commanders' defense, I think, is is much better, at mm-hmm. least on the front seven side. And I think the Raiders' defense, they just have a much better pass rush mm-hmm. than the Dolphins have. So, I, I like our odds in putting points on the board. I just don't know how much we can keep up given the challenges that we've seen on the offense this year, and they're going to get pressure on Russ. Let's call it what it is. Our offensive line is still not good. Our offensive line still stinks, mm-hmm. but if Russ can get out of the pocket, cook a little bit like he did against the commanders, I, I like our chances of covering. I, I don't think it's a lock by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but I, I like our chances then. And then I love the over for that to hit um, in that game, just because it's 48 points. Like, that that should cover it seems in an low. NFL ball game. Yeah, that seems low for an NFL game for sure. Um, something that I did want to mention too about the Dolphins being two and zero is that they won both of their games on the road. So this is almost like a homecoming game. Um, mm-hmm. It's gonna be it's gonna be uh, raudacious down there, <laughs> Rocks, yeah. raucous and raudacious uh, in front of all thirty right. Dolphins fans that they're right. Are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of with you in terms of the score. I do think that the over hits and it, it could happen in the first half. Like I said, I mean, it it may end up being like twenty eight twenty at halftime. Um, and so I, so I think it's going to be very high scoring. I'm probably going to finish somewhere similar to what you, what you're at. I'm probably saying like 
41, 41, 38, something like that. I think it's closer so got, than, than people are predicting. There goes my mic. So um, you got us covering then. Yes, I do. Okay. That's a, I mean, that's cool. Um, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think we're pretty much in lockstep on this. I think it's just the point differential. So, um, hopefully the Broncos come out and prove us wrong, but did you see the, the special guest that was at the Broncos game on, um, on Sunday? It was uh, in a suite. That, I was at the game on Sunday and I did not know until, until, yeah, I got home later and I saw that, it, uh, that, Sh- uh, that Dion was there with Shador and Shiloh. Um, yes. talking about talking about next year. Uh, so I think uh, that, I think that's a good transition where we can start talking about the buffs. Hopefully, scouting out Shador's new home in 2025. Right, would not I hate mean, that, to see that. That would that would legitimately be the dream, uh, at least as a uh, both buffs and Broncos fan. Because um, I do think I do think Shador. Is 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 gonna be playing on Sundays, and I'd rather him be playing for for us than anybody else. Um, He'd have to change his number, though. He couldn't wear two. Couldn't wear two. You're right. He'd have to go to twelve. Yep. Which wouldn't look bad. I mean, it's the opposite of his dad's number. So that'd be so that'd be pretty fun. But then the issue is, could we get Travis Hunter that same year? Well, actually, we're. I think it's one or the other because both of those guys are going to go in the first round. So yeah, yeah. But I would love to see uh, Shador trotting trotting out of that home tunnel at Mile High, being under center for the Broncos, and I think that would keep Dion around a little bit longer. But let's uh let's dive into this Buffs Ducks top twenty five matchup at Autzen Stadium in Eugene, Oregon. Yes. So wanted to preface that the Buffs are one and nine against Oregon uh, since joining the Pac-12. <laughs> um, you know, with a bunch of really, really big losses uh, in Outson Stadium. Um, you know, you said it in the last pod that this game is different than, mm-hmm. than the first three that we played. TCU was definitely a toss-up. Nebraska, we knew we were going to roll. CSU ended up being a much better game than what we were anticipating, but we, but I do, th- I think CSU is a solid G five program. Um, Oregon, and that was CSU Super Bowl. Let's let's not forget they always get up for us. Yeah, they always get up. Absolutely. Um, Oregon just absolutely rolled a kind of subpar G five program in Hawaii. Um, yep, fifty five to ten last weekend. So they're definitely coming in hot quarterback Bo Nix fifth year senior uh has played a ton of football for both Auburn and Oregon um I think I think I had saw that Bo Nix is seven and one uh under um Dan uh Lanning Lanning sorry I wanted to say Lanson and I knew that wasn't right (laughs) um under under Dan Lanning um so you know definitely a ton of success that these two are having together um what will it take for the buffs to win this ball game yeah I mean this is it's funny because it feels like we say it every week where this is the biggest game in coach prime's Colorado career um, this one, I, I don't think we can dispute as to this point, 
this is the biggest game. We're going to be saying it again next week. It is what it is. <laughs> well, but... this is, but, but this is the, um, this is his, uh, and opening into the PAC 12, you know, yes. very first, very first game in conference. Yeah. So it, it's a really interesting matchup, right? Oregon has been a very good program for a long time. I'm not going to call them great. They still have the same number of national titles as their logo. So <laughs> I, I can't sit here and call them great. Um, but this one's interesting. So you, you talked a little bit about the Ducks. They haven't really had a true test yet in my eyes. They opened the season against Portland State, who plays against the University of Northern Colorado Bears. They're a big Sky Conference team. Um, their football program is probably most known for Julius Thomas, Broncos tight end legend, caught seven touchdowns for Peyton Manning. Um, great player, but they don't have a strong history of football. So I, I that, that's a tune-up game. They're basically playing a high school scrimmage. It is what it is. Good for Portland State that they got that money. They got the bag. We knew the Ducks would roll them. 70-7, to seven, I think, was the final score there. Yeah. That doesn't count in my eyes. Um, then next week, they actually had a pretty good test. Not, I wouldn't say a good test, but they actually had to play a team that has college football athletes on it in Texas Tech, um, led by a former Duck quarterback in Tyler Show. They got themselves a game, and I, I think that that's where my my hope. And I I've been I started the week saying like, just keep it close, just keep it close against the Ducks. Like, but right now with where I'm at, I'm sitting here saying we have a legitimate shot at an upset because he gave them fits, and Texas Tech realistically could have won that game um, had they not thrown a pick six in the last minute. They were down. They ended up losing by eight overall. Like I said, they were driving down the field. Tyler threw a threw a pick six, and that was the end of the game. So it, I, I don't think Oregon is unbeatable. I don't think we're walking into a buzzsaw by any stretch of the imagination. They're a very good team. They're very well coached. What it's going to take for the Buffs, um, the most interesting matchup this week is going to be the Buffs passing attack versus the Ducks corners. Um, the Buffs are averaging 418 yards in, through the air per game. Unbelievable pace. I, I mean, we talk about Shador every every week on this pod, two times a week because he's that good. Um, the Ducks are at, are giving up 159 uh, yards through the air each week, averaging through the first three weeks of the season. So that that is the matchup right there. Can our receivers without Travis Hunter get it after it? We are returning our big receiver who we have not seen yet this year because he was hurt. Uh, his name is Javon Antonio. He's a six four kid. Um, transferred up from the FCS level. He's a player. He can he he can go up and get the ball. So that's going to be a big boost for us. The other matchup, the other thing that the Buffs have to do is be able to run the ball. We've talked about it. Um, it is confirmed that Alton McCaskill will be playing today. Yeah. That is our stud running back transfer. He was probably the third most hyped transfer coming into the season behind Shador and Travis. So getting him out, getting him ready to debut – um, he's a big physical runner, but he also has that breakaway speed. You know, he's <laughs> – this is such a wild comparison, but it it kind of fits to a certain extent. He's got to get the production to get there. But body-wise and running style-wise, he runs like AP, Adrian yeah. Peter. So if he can get going, I think that will loosen everything up for our passing game, and that is going to be tremendously impactful for us. Shador is one of the most hit college football quarterbacks. He's been hit 55 times this year. You don't love to see that. So we got to get that going. And then on the defensive side, you know, I, I'm not as worried 
as I was in years past about the Ducks because we actually have speed. We have team speed this year. So I, I think that'll be a closer battle than we thought. I I can see a world where the Buffs become the third team across FBS and FB, FCS to win a 20-point spread on the road in the same season twice. Um, I can also see a world where it, it's a dogfight and we're just trying to cover. Um, I love... I love the over in this game. I have two units on the over. Um, it's at 70.5, and I think that will hit pretty easily. Um, just two very high-powered offenses coming in and getting after it. So I, I like the Buffs' chances in this game. I think we have a puncher's chance, especially with two at quarterback. Shador is unbelievable. He, he's a generational quarterback, and, you know, you let in with nine and one. Oregon's 9-1 and one against us since mm-hmm. we joined the back. I think anything that we're proving this season and we have proved this season is this isn't the same Colorado program that the Pac-12 has known. Right. So I, I throw that out entirely. I think 16, you know, was an interesting year for the Buffs because obviously that was our rise year. That was also a big down year for the Ducks. They had Willie Taggart leading the helm and he's <laughs> he's terrible. He is <laughs> such a bad coach. Um, so I, I kind of throw that one out there too. And I just view this as, okay, the record is O and O going into this game. Let's get after it. Let's see what this buffs team can do. Um, if we can cover the flat where, you know, those crossing routes aren't killing us, which I know knowing Charles Kelly, they worked on. If you look at our rushing defense, it's gotten a lot better from week one to week three, Nebraska, while they racked up yards, a lot of that was carried by Jeff Sims, one big run against us. Other than that, they they were averaging only like 3.2 yards a carry, something like that. And then CSU really didn't average a ton on the ground either. Um, they just tried to keep hammering it. So our, our rushing defense has gotten a lot better. Um, it, it just comes down to, can we keep that consistency and can we get our playmakers in space? Because I still trust that Jimmy Horn, Xavier Weaver, Dylan Edwards can make a man miss and get in the end zone. Yeah. Not, and not to mention Michael Harrison too. I mean, it was this coming out party against CSU. We might as well see him get the ball a ton more. I'm super excited about it. Um, So something you had mentioned about the offensive line that I had written down after doing a bit of research um, that I kind of wanted to bring up is that we definitely, we have the second worst offensive line in the nation when it comes to rushing attempts with at least one missed block, meaning Mm -hmm. that, 23.1% 23.1% of the time we rush the ball, we have a missed block. We're letting somebody Ooh. in the backfield stopping it. Like that's that's not good. Um, like I and then going into what you said about Alton McCaskill coming back is I think that he is one of those players that can make that one missed block miss <laughs> and yeah. uh and and then and then elevate the ground game by quite a bit i do think dylan edwards is still a threat absolutely i mean he kind of has that x factor sort of thing about him but i think that i think i mean he's just undersized right now i mean he's a true freshman um so so he's definitely going to be more um uh beneficial in this in kind of the screen game and in those shorts in those short passes um whereas mccaskill is a you know, hit the three gap and go hit the four gap and go and see, and see what happens, you know, just right off the ass of those guards and those tackles and, and try, try to get into the open field, you know, at the second level. So, um, yeah, I mean, fortunately for the buffs, um, I, this Oregon team 
hasn't really played anybody. I mean, I I think that I think that we have played three very tough opponents where we've already we've already engaged in some um in in the type of football that um builds character within a team and and builds kind of that grittiness and that garishness um where I just don't think Oregon has had that type of level of competition, which which definitely, at least in the first couple of drives, is going to be absolutely beneficial for us. Um, I just don't know. Um, I, I just don't know how much that plays out over a full four quarters. I do, but I do think it, it's going to make a difference at the very beginning of the game because we're we're going to come in there and be re- and beats you know, ready to play smash mouth football and they are going to, they might be taken aback by it a little bit be, just because of the level of play that we've had. Yeah. And you know that, I, I don't think you can underestimate the fact that we've already had to battle a lot of adversity this season. Yeah. You know, we, we let off on the road against the national runner ups last year in TCU. People were projecting us to get blown out. We didn't, we went in there and won. You know, that was a that was a true road game against a top 25 opponent at the time. So I, I think that bodes well for us. Then we went to a rivalry game against a Big Ten school in the University of Nebraska. Clearly, they're, I don't think they're going to do anything special this year, but they did get their first win. So they're, they're not a bad football team. They're not a good football team. They're just kind of there. Mm-hmm. And then we played another rivalry game against Colorado State where they came in, a ton of media hype surrounding that game, a ton of noise. Just as there's been the first three weeks, this has actually been one of the quieter weeks in terms of Buffs hype that I've seen since we kicked off the college football season. So I'm interested to see how that kind of responds. There's this weird sense of quiet confidence coming out of the Buffs side right now. You know, you didn't have Coach Prime out in the media um, saying they made it personal and landing certainly gave him some opportunities, whether that was, you know, early in the year, if Dion wants to take the shot of what have they done as a program personal. Yeah, I know that wasn't while Coach Prime was here, but you can still use that. And then this week, Dan Lanning, I, I don't understand why coaches continue to do this of taking shots at Coach Prime, but he came out and said, well, YouTube videos don't win you football games. I know that Dion could have gone out in the media and said, Oh, it's personal again. Like they went around, they mess around, made it personal again. He he didn't. So I don't know if that's a sense of like, okay, I'm, we're going to go just handle our business on the field and let the play do the talking because we're that confident. Um, I would be feeling a lot better if Hunter was available for this game. I'm, I'm yeah. still bummed that we don't get to see him play against a true top 25 team. Um, I think this would have been phenomenal for his Heisman candidacy, but I, I I have this weird feeling that we're going to walk into Autzen and give the Ducks a much tougher test than they're expecting. Yeah. I, I could be totally wrong. I could be looking at this through the black and gold shades, the blenders I wear, the coach prime is promoting, but I, I have this belief that we can't, we have the athletes to go in and compete. We have the athletes to go in and potentially pull something off so it's going to be a great game. I I don't want to predict a score because this one, just like every Buffs game, is an unknown. I mean, Vegas has lost a shit ton of money on the Buffs this oh, year. So much. Gotta love it, but man. Once again, Buffs are one of the highest bet tickets in in sports yeah. this week. And I, and, I and I don't 
And I don't know. I, I got asked so many times this week what if like if the Buffs were going to win, and I said no, but they'll cover. Good teams I think win. I, I, great I, teams I, cover. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I say. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, but like that that was like that was my only response. I, I couldn't predict a score. I couldn't do anything. I just knew that the line had was at 21 at the start of the week, and then they did move it to 20, I believe. Um, and and um even even like my stepdad texted me yesterday, what do you think is gonna happen with the buffs tomorrow? And I said, Oh, probably lose, but we'll cover. <laughs> like that's how confident like, I am in that, you know. Oh, I'm I'm a hundred percent thinking we're gonna cover. Like, yeah. I, I think we're going to, there are very few games this, this season that we're not going to cover the spread. Yeah. And I, I don't know where Vegas got this line. Like, okay, yes, Austin is a very hard place to play, you know, but look at our quarterback and that's what, that's what matters at the end of the yeah. day. Like he's not, he's not easy to get rattled. He, one cool moment, I, re, I went back and rewatched the, the showdown. And I didn't catch this during the game. I saw Shador walk over and talk to Prime on the sideline. But I think we are underestimating how tough both mentally and physically Shador is. He gets hit, spits up blood, smiles at Kamara. And that's when Prime walked over and did the dad thing of like, I'm going to wipe that blood off your chin with my sleeve. But this kid doesn't get rattled by anything. And I think walking into Austin, this is just another business trip for him. And he's he's going out and going to do what he needs to do to win. So I, I think that we're going to cover, I, I have, you know, a couple units on, on buffs covering. I, I would be stunned if they be, if they blow us out of the water, yeah. I would be stunned. Yeah. I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, I, and I, and the other thing is too, is that like, even if we do lose this game, Oregon's a top 10 team. I still think that, like, regardless of – or actually, we have to cover the spread. But if we do, we're still going to be ranked in the top 25, even with this – even if we do lose. Because – just because of how highly ranked Oregon is. And if we and if we come in and play a good game, that the media is going to see that. Coaches are going to see that. And we're still going to be ranked in the top 25 before we head into um, an at-home game against SC next weekend. Um and and if we lose this game, I mean, we're still we still only have to win three more to be able to make it into a bowl game. So yeah, and we only have to win one more for the preseason over to cash. Right, exactly, exactly. So it, it's a good year. Like, let's not get carried away. We were both sitting there at the start of the year saying six and six. Yeah, if we go six and six, that is tremendous. And the fascinating part about this Buffs team outside of, you know, all the hype, when you really look at it, the sum of the talent that was brought in is greater than the individual talent, which is really good. I know uh, Pete Thamel, one of the preeminent college football reporters, was talking to NFL scouts this week, and there's only one surefire day or first three-round pick on this roster in scouts' eyes right now, and that's Shador, mm -hmm. should he declare for this year's NFL draft. The rest of the guys are kind of those late rounds hopefuls, but we haven't been performing as such. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's kind of been the cool part about this team is like, yeah, we brought in some talent. Xavier Weaver is a great, great wide receiver. Jimmy Horn is really solid. Dylan Edwards is going to be something special, but we don't have that level of NFL guy that Oregon has quite yet. Mm -hmm. So 
we've, we've been almost overperforming to what our expectations were, should have been going into the season. We all got caught up in the hype train. And if we continue to do this, that just shows that it, there's a lot of substance behind this. It's not just a flash in the pan. This is Coach Prime can coach. And I think he's proven that, but there's still those national doubters out there. The coaching staff itself is incredible. We talked a lot about it in our preview of Sean Lewis and Charles Kelly. And then you dive into the position coaches, whether that's Sal Sinceri, Nick Williams, um, Bill O'Brohill on the, on the offensive line. Like we have a great coaching staff and let's not be mistaken here that our first three wins, there's no doubt that we should be three and up. Mm-hmm. We have a great coaching staff. We have some talented pieces in place. We're not quite to Oregon level yet. We're going to be there next year. I think if we make a bowl game this year, wait till you see the transfer portal madness that comes in next season. Yeah. It's going to be insane. And, you know, I, I, I'm continually blown away by what this Buffs team has done. And even if we lose this week, even if we do, like you said, it's still going into Austin in a top 10 matchup. It, it doesn't hurt as bad as you would think. Yeah. Like it, it's still, it's not, it depends on the level of loss. If we do lose of, Hey, did we get beat by 30 or did we get beat by three? Right. But we can sit here and say like, okay, this isn't, this wasn't an easily winnable game. This was a game that we may have had a chance, a puncher's chance, but it, it we always kind of knew it was going to be chalked up as an L and, you move on, you go you go into the meat of the season, which is Pac-12 play, which is going to be a battle every week this year, except for ASU, really, because ASU is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's to here's to hoping there's a good game in uh, Coach Prime's Pac-12 debut, um, you know, and we'll definitely be chatting more about this uh, on the pod on, on Wednesday. So uh, wanted to get into a couple other uh, buff sports that we've been pretty stoked on so far this season. Um, I kind of wanted to start with uh, women's soccer. Um, so the, the CU Buffs women's soccer team was on a seven game win streak, uh, hosted uh, the number five ranked UCLA team at Prenta Field last night. Uh, I saw mm-hmm. it broke a ton of records um, that it was the that they had about 2,400 fans show up in the first top 25 battle at Prenta Field since 2018 uh, and the fourth, the fourth largest crowd in Prenta history. Uh, which is which is insane, um, you know, and and very very cool. Um, the Buffs, you know, made to try to make a valiant comeback, kind of at the end there. But I mean, this was a this was a matchup last year where the Bruins beat us eight to nothing on our own field, mm-hmm. um, and so for us to lose just three to one, I mean, I think that that speaks to the turnaround of this program. I mean, Danny Sanchez has been there a very very long time, um, very experienced coach, um, you know. And I and I think that playing these types of you know playing the uh, the level that UCLA is at, I mean, these were the national champs last year. Um, yeah. That that it's only going to help us as the season keeps you know going on. Yeah, I mean, first off, let's let's just put this out there. Um, we understand this is going to be a football centric pod, but there's a lot of phenomenal sports going on at the University of Colorado right now. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to give a little bit of shine to those programs. Um, the women's soccer program has been on a constant uptick under Danny Sanchez's leadership. He is a phenomenal coach. He's done a phenomenal job. He's elevated the talent of that roster. You know, this year we're eight and two right now. 
which is a really, really strong start to the season. The only bad loss on there is is against Marquette. Decent program, nothing nothing special, nothing to write home about, but we have some signature wins already this year. Um, when you look at it, we brought Michigan State. They were ranked number 14 when they came under Prentup, came under our home turf, and we beat them 2 nothing. And I also want to point out that we don't have Taylor Cornick anymore. For those of you that are tuned into women's soccer at all, Taylor Cornick is a beast. She was a monster, especially at the University of Colorado. And, you know, she's playing in the uh, Professional Women's Soccer League, the NWSL now, which great for her. She's unbelievable. And I hope she continues that success. But we didn't see a steep drop off when she left. And, you know, like D-Train was just saying, we were on a seven game win streak when the number five UCLA Bruins rolled into town. And we, we gave them a better game than what should have honestly happened. And this Buffs women's program, they are currently a top 25 program. We'll see how everything kind of shakes out as we enter next week. But amazing out of Prentup to see that they set an attendance record last week for, for what was a huge game, or I guess just on Friday for what was a huge game. And, you know, it's really cool to see people going out and supporting this sport because they deserve it. They're, they're playing big name teams. You know, they got Purdue, they had Purdue on the schedule, beat them three, nothing. They played NC state, beat them two, two to one. They played Colorado college. Um, they won two, nothing. They played the UNC bears one, three, nothing. Like they're not playing these schlubs out there. And women's soccer is a highly competitive game. I, I personally enjoy watching women's soccer, whether that's on the international stage or the collegiate level or the pro stage better than men's soccer. I think it's a better game. Mm-hmm. And the, this women's team is unbelievable. They have some serious talent um, up and down their roster. And like I said, Danny Sanchez, he can really, he can really coach, man. Like we are in a golden era of Colorado, of Colorado athletics right now. And it, it's fascinating to see that we're elevating every single program, which is really cool. But this women's soccer team is amazing. They're outscoring their opponents 20 to 7 this year, Yeah, which for soccer, I mean, my God, that's absurd. Um, we got some great players out there. Shira James is probably our top player. She's got eight goals, one assist, 17 points. Um, she's a monster out there. But other than that, you're kind of seeing this, this scoring distributed down the roster. Amaya Gonzalez, four assists. She's our leading assist getter. And then well, we got some people the, with two goals out there that are the really thing, good. Here's the thing about athletics too is is that a lot of um, like if you have a successful football program, it puts the entire school on the national perspectives. So yes, Dion being here is twofold in that yes, it's going to help the football program in and of itself, but it's also going to help all the other programs because kids are going to be seeing the University of Colorado on the TV and are going to be like, oh, well, like you know, I haven't thought about going to Boulder. Um, and that, but and, and then it's the same sort of thing. If you get the kids to come here and see Boulder, they will want to commit. It's not it's not hard to fall in love with with that place and i mean right and i know like you know Folsom field is right smack dab the flat irons are right there there's a hole in the stadium so that you can see those flat irons instead of putting in more seats but prince up field is is almost the same sort of thing it's a little bit further away from campus but you can still see those flat irons right from prince up field um yeah 
And so, you know, for the soccer program, I mean, it's, yeah, the, the uh, Danny Sanchez is definitely going to bring in some h- more, I'd say, um, high profile athletes, the, the further that he sticks with this program, and then uh, the more exposure that the University of Colorado gets. Yeah. And we um, might be a few of the people that have actually seen a game at Prentup. It, <laughs> it's awesome. Like, it's a really good setting for, for college soccer. And you know, I think at some point we're going to have to talk about getting them a legitimate facility versus yeah. like, you know, a field with some bleachers around it, but go out and support. It's an awesome way to spend an afternoon or, or an evening. Um, really good for families and, you know, they got a good program. So go support them. They're like I said, they're top 20 as it stands right now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they stay in that ranking. Um yeah, it's definitely, not gonna be, it's definitely not going to be the madhouse like uh, like Folsom Field is if you're looking to go no. to find something to do with your family and want to go support athletics. I mean, soccer is definitely way more relaxed. Um, Chip is always there for the kids, you know, for at least for at least a half. Um, so, you know, definitely, definitely go and support uh, go and support them. Um, and you'll see athletes from other teams, you know, Boyle, yeah, yeah. Coach Boyle is big on buff supporting buffs and men's team should be supporting every other program out there. So you'll probably see Cody Williams, KJ Simpson, Tristan De Silva out there. Um, Coach Prime has been out to women's soccer games and he has his players go out because that's something that I think comes from the top down with Rick is go out and support. So if you want a chance, you know, there's no guarantee Coach Prime will be there. But if yeah. you want a chance to meet some of these athletes and get to know some of these kids, you you could see them at these women's soccer events, especially given that they are such a good program. These guys and these other girls, you know, when you talk about women's basketball, they like going out and seeing quality athletics and they all spend time together in the facilities, whether that's the Champion Center or Coors Event Center. So you, you'd have that opportunity potentially to go see some of these bigger names from these revenue generating programs that you're, you know, tuning into TV to watch. So yeah, go go out there, check it out. It's an awesome, awesome time. Yeah. Uh, one sport I will not watch because it hurts my knees. Just, uh, just watching these people run is the, uh, the cross country team, uh, teams, I should say, cause we do have a men's and women's team, but they, uh, they're in their first official meet today, uh, in Virginia. Um, and right now the women are ranked, uh, fifth in the USTF CCCA or whatever the cross country one is, um, <laughs> coaches pull. And then the men are ranked seventh, uh, heading into this year. Uh, We've got we've got a sophomore named Isaiah Gibbons who placed uh, fifth at the Colorado Time Trials on September first, which isn't an official meet. Um, but uh, I mean, guy can fly. Um, you know, definitely probably runs uh, a mile faster than I could sprint eight hundred meters. Um, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, I feel that. Like, you, like I just uh, you know these dudes are like cross country is just <laughs> one of those sports that like I there's no effing way I would ever have been able to even try to compete with it. I had some buddies that ran cross country in high school, and I went to a practice one time when I stopped playing football, and uh, and it was super funny because we we did like a like a run like a pretty far run and we're like heading back to the school and uh and they were messing with me they were like all right man that was a good warm-up wasn't it are you ready to run like a little bit further i got in my car and left not knowing that that was the only practice they like that that was it i really i truly thought that they were messing with me oh, God. <laughs> but then they, i did uh... it and i didn't go back <laughs> yeah um 
First and foremost, anyone who runs cross country or goes on long runs for fun, you're a psychopath. I don't know how you do it. Good for you. Um, I get winded running 400 meters. So that says a lot about my physical capabilities. But for those of you that may not follow all of CU athletics as closely, um, this is a storied program, whether that's the men's or the women's side. Uh, head coach Mark Wetmore is probably one of the most decorated collegiate coaches across all of sports at this point. I'm mm-hmm. not fully certain on that, but they've they've been the resident national title getter along with our ski team, which we'll we'll do a little blurb on them during the winter when their season you know officially goes off. But Mark Wetmore is an incredible coach. Um, they have an Olympian on their staff in Jenny Simpson. She's a phenomenal buffs for life. Um, she's an alumni here. She has won silver medals, bronze medals at the Olympics. She's incredible. Um, bringing her on board was was monstrous for them. They are both in the top 25, both in the top 10 as it stands right now. I believe the women are fifth and the men are seventh. Um, huge, huge meet for them today as they kick off their season. Let's hope the Buffs go out and get a win or at least place in the top three and get on the podium. But I, I think this is another program that this year we could see a, a national title come home to Boulder. And it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. You know, I think it's kind of that old adage with cross and skiing of, you know, death taxes and the Buffs winning a natty. So it, it's definitely an unbelievable program. I can't say enough about what Wetmore has been able to accomplish in his time at yeah. the University of Colorado. I just found I just found program. some notable stats for um, for Mark Wetmore. It's uh, 27 individual NCAA titles, 42 conference titles, 470 All-American honors, and 29 NCAA podium finishes. Jesus. that I mean, that's dominance right there. He's in his yeah. 26th season as head coach here, and we should be very thankful – to have him because this level of success doesn't matter whether it's a popular sport or not. Yeah. This is insane. Yeah. What he's been able to accomplish here. Yeah. Yeah. We only hope that, uh, that Dion has that longevity and that kind of, uh, that kind of success for sure. Uh, awesome. awesome. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, we just wanted to highlight a couple of the fall sports going on. We'll definitely, I mean, we're definitely going to be talking basketball. I mean, coming up here pretty soon. Um, cause basketball usually kicks off at the end of November, early December for both men's and women. So we'll definitely do mm-hmm. a, a preview on both of those teams for the buffs. Um, yeah. anything else you, anything else you'd like to add about the Broncos buffs? Um, just two quick things here. Um, really quick. Want to just touch on, uh, see women's volleyball. Oh, yeah. uh, the volleyball program is off to a pretty solid start this season. They're nine and three overall. They're two and zero in conference play. Um, they have gotten some signature wins already. They beat uh, Colorado State. Well, they split the series against Colorado State. For those of you that don't know, and are, are wrapped up in the Rocky Mountain Showdown for football, um, volleyball they will actually play a home and home series. So Colorado State rolled in here uh, to Boulder at the C- at the Coors Event Center. We lost three to two in the sets, so it went the full five. Unbelievable match. But that following day, our women went up to Colorado State, played at Moby, and won three to two um, in their own set. So unbelievable run for them. They came back home, beat the University of Denver just two days later, three to one dominant performance. And then they opened up uh, with Utah on Thursday of this past week and won their match there three to one. They have a major opponent coming into the Coors Event Center tomorrow in Boulder 
at noon. Uh, they're playing the number four Stanford Cardinal. Unbelievable program. Um, they have not had the easiest opening slate. I know, you know, Colorado State obviously has a long history of very good volleyball, um, as does the University of Kansas, who we've also played at the Wichita Invitational. And the, these buffs can play. They, they can. And they've got a serious chance to make the tournament again this year. Um, they're definitely on the upswing as well, as D-Train mentioned earlier, Rising Tide lifts all boats. So the more exposure Dion brings for the university, I think we're going to just enter a golden era of Colorado athletics, whether that's, you know, football, men's basketball, women's basketball, volleyball, <laughs> skiing, cross country, track and field, everything across the, down the line is going to be amazing. So um, if you're not doing anything tomorrow, try and get up to uh, to watch the Stanford uh, CU volleyball game at Coors. It may be a closer match than the Broncos versus the Dolphins. Yeah. Um, sadly. So that'll be a great, great match for them. Go buffs. And one last thing, want to give a shout out to the air force Academy Falcons. Um, oh, dominant win last night. Yes. Yeah, dude, like air, freaking air force, man. Like every single time that I turn on the TV, I feel like air force is winning a football game. Um, and like we said at the very beginning, I mean, they are like, they're four and you know, two they're more great. games, two more games. They're in a bowl already. Um, and that was one game that we had as a question mark on their schedule. It, of, true. Will they we win were, this one or not? Yeah. We, we may have overhyped the San Jose state Spartans after the way that they played USC in week zero. Um, <laughs> because they, yeah. they haven't, they haven't, I mean, they won one game, uh, they're wanted for now, but, um, couple of key matchups coming up for air force the next two weeks, they're playing San Diego state next weekend and then have a bye. But then October 14th, um, they're playing the pokes, uh, in Colorado Springs though, uh, the university of Wyoming. So those are going to be some, some key matchups for them, especially in the mountain West, uh, San Diego state's a good ball team. They always are. Um, and then Wyoming has shot well they shocked the world um you know beating texas tech so yep. um they're you know they're san diego there. state they're uh they're gonna come in with a chip on their shoulder they just lost a tight game to boise yeah. last night so they're gonna be looking to bounce back yeah yeah so a couple key games coming up there for the falcons so all y'all down there in colorado springs i mean i would love i've never been um to falcon field but i would absolutely love to be able to go or falcon stadium excuse me um i really really would love to go to a game sometime um and and just kind of be in that atmosphere because i've heard it's absolutely insane plus tickets are actually affordable unlike my colorado buffaloes <laughs> yeah maybe uh maybe we should do a little out of office bros takeover falcon stadium down there i, I, I would be at, down at for the that. academy yeah i would, I would be, be down be, for that uh, the good one or, may be that wyoming game that could be great or you know what's interesting is uh, that Air Force Army game on November 4th, that's actually being played at Mile High Stadium down here in Denver. Oh, yeah, so that'd be a little bit maybe, closer uh, for the two of us. Maybe we maybe we pop into that and uh, cheer on the cadets because they got a great football program in. Um, I, I, we both called that they were probably going to be the, the best record-wise, at least in the state this year. And Yeah. They, I mean, they keep proving it. They had a 25-point win last night, like absurd, and they blew out Utah State as well. You know they're they're doing what good football teams should do, which is beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and yeah. um, they're 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 proving themselves yet again this year. And I, I wouldn't be shocked, like I said at the start of the year, to see them be a ten and two organization this year. They're 
They're rolling, yeah. man. I mean, there's a chance. I mean, looking at their schedule, I'm even thinking 11 and one. To be honest with you, um, yeah. I, like I said, I think San Diego State and Wyoming are much better teams than you give them credit for, but I, I still think those are dubs. Then we've got that game against Navy. I mean, Air Force is just way better than Navy. Um, Colorado Navy's State struggling this year. Yeah, they are bad this year. Yeah, uh, Colorado State. I mean, could be a good game. Army Air Force is always a good game. Uh, Hawaii, uh, UNLV, yeah. But then, um, but then the Friday after Thanksgiving, they're playing Boise State. Like they may be eleven and zero heading into that Boise State game. Looking at this schedule, which that would be so awesome. Oh, it would <laughs> be, be so, so cool. awesome. It'd be so awesome. Uh, what, dude? What if? What if Air Force and Colorado are both ranked in the top twenty-five at the end of this season? How incredible would that uh, be? I would love that. I'm, I don't want to ever play Air Force again in football. I'll be honest. I've said that a hundred times. Like, I don't think it's a winning scenario for us, but I will always support the Falcons and the cadets down there and never say a bad word about them. So I, I would love to see it. Um, I'm definitely going to be tuned into that Air Force Wyoming game in, in two weeks. Cause that that's a great matchup against teams that honestly, I, I, I like and support um, my support of Colorado state has gone out the window after last week and the cheap plays that they were doing. So I hope they get beat by Middle Tennessee State today, and I hope they get absolutely shit-kicked by the Air Force Academy because <laughs> go cadets and roll into Fort Fun and lock the fucking gates on them and beat them down. Yeah. Go yeah. cadets. Go Falcons. Yeah, for sure. Wait, is – did they – was Air Force in the top 20 – oh, no, this was last year. Sorry. I was, yeah, that was, was last year. Old news. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, sorry. They haven't – they they finally got into kind of the meat of their schedule. They opened up with two pretty easy games with Robert Morris and Sam Houston, um, but they took care of business as they should. And then you know opened up against Utah State for Mountain West play, and that's a good program. Uh, Mountain West, Utah State has been competitive and you know in that top quarter of the Mountain West for for a couple of years now. So it was good to see them go on and uh, go on ahead and beat them, and then go out to the Bay Area last night to the South Bay and and handle business against the uh, San Jose State Spartans. Yeah it, yeah. it was exciting to see. Awesome. Awesome. Right on, you guys. Well, make sure you go out and support all of your sports, regardless of where you're listening to. It's always good to go watch college athletics. Uh, go Broncos on Sunday. It's an away game. So wherever you end up watching, make sure that you're rooting loud so the Broncos hear you down in South Beach. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to Out of Office Bros. We'll be out of office again on Wednesday afternoon. For immediate assistance, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. Please be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. Best. The out of office bros. Let's go buffs. That's right.